So um, please pray with me as we pray for Austin. Father, do you hear us, King? Uh, we come to you for our, our, our friend, our brother Austin. And as he sits over there in Iraq right now, I don't know where he sits, but you know the exact place of sand or dirt that he is sitting on. And we ask that your hand would reach down from heaven, that you would touch him, that you would fill him with your spirit new and afresh. God, that he would be even transformed in an instant and recharged. That maybe through the word there would be some special insight. Maybe an angel would come and touch him on the shoulder and rejuvenate his life. And God, that we would ask, please, you say if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And it will be given. We ask for Austin, and we ask that he would ask you continually to give him words to speak to those brothers. And whoever it is that he's ministering to or that he's going to open his mouth to, prepare their hearts, soften. Make their hearts like ground that has just been rototilled, soft and ready, watered, ready to receive the word from you, ready to receive that seed to plant it in their heart. And we ask that those seeds would start to sprout and blossom and awesome to be able to see it with his own eyes and be able to praise you and declare the great works that you're doing when he comes back home. Keep him safe. Please again, Father, I continue to ask you to keep those five, five angels just around him and that nothing would be able to harm him, nothing would be able to come close to him, that they would protect and they would stand. And protection is armor completely around him. Bless your servant, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Without further ado, uh, a friend coming up, uh, Steve, who's been here with us, uh, been coming for quite a while, and uh, part of the family here. Steve, why don't you come up? Uh, Steve is a dear brother. He kind of remember. I don't know if you remember. He shared a little bit about when we went down to Skid Row, and um, he kind of led the team down there. Um, he works in the medical field. Um, just loves on people as a doctor, and, and in the name of Christ, and uh, he has great ministry. And so uh, he's going to bring a devil for us. I'm stoked. And uh, let's welcome Steve. Well, thank you, Josh. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Steve. And if I haven't met you before, I apologize. I've seen some of you at different places. And um, if I haven't met you, now you, now you know me. So, and I hope I get to know you, too. And... Uh, don't be shy, okay? One thing I know is sometimes when you don't know somebody, uh, there's always a tendency to, to be a little shy. You know, you kind of feel them out. You don't really know who they are. Do they speak English? You know, whatever. And uh, I do speak English, okay? Actually, somebody once asked me, uh, went up to me and said, uh, you're learning to read English? And uh, yeah, actually, I do speak English. I didn't hop across the border. But um, I... I um, I, I encourage you not to be shy because there is a group of people who are never shy of me, okay? I used to look a little, little differently um, a while back, and uh, I used to have a goatee, and I used to have a pretty thick beard, and um, I had that look for a while, and then uh, some people kind of told me that, you know, you actually kind of look like a terrorist. And, uh, you know, after receiving an encouraging word like that, um, I thought, you know, maybe it's time to uh, do a new look here. But uh, now I understand why I was never getting any, any love at the airport, because the airport screeners, you know, always used to give me a little, a little rough time. And you know how you hear, hear about these random screenings? I was never randomly screened, okay? I was always targeted. I mean, always, it's like I had this invisible sign over my head that said, 
please frisk me, you know. And, uh, and you know, the sad part about it is the last time that happened, I actually had my Harvest Crusade shirt on. <laughs> and uh, it's like, you know, if you can't get any love with the Harvest Crusade T-shirt, when can you get any love? But, um, but anyway, don't be shy, okay? The airport screeners aren't shy of me, so you shouldn't be either. But seriously, um, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, uh, I hope you realize how privileged you are to have somebody like Josh. Well, not somebody like Josh, to have Josh uh, teaching the word to you every night, every uh, week. And uh, thank you, uh, Brian uh, and Jay, when you're here. Is Jay here? Uh, Jay, when, leading in worship, and Robert for your leadership in, in oversight of this ministry and, and encouragement. Uh, tonight I want to just share with you uh, something. And first I want to tell you, my life a number of years ago was changed by Jesus Christ. And um, we don't have time tonight for me to go into my testimony, but uh, you'll never believe it if I tell you it. It's just unbelievable. But I'm here today because of what God did in my life. And um, I want to share with you something tonight about the promises of God, okay? One thing that I found in my life is that the promises of God, they're not like wishful thinking, you know, like I hope that turns out for you. The promises of God I found are 100% guarantees, take it to the bank. And one of those promises I want to share with you tonight, okay? And so, um, actually, a lot of these thoughts came after I heard one of Josh's songs, the song we actually sang earlier, You're the King. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight for the next few moments before we uh, ask God's blessing on uh, tonight's Bible study with Josh. You know, there's a common theme in the Bible, and that theme is that people who walk very closely with the Lord, he reveals these new and incredible insights about himself. You remember that he had 12 disciples, but there were three of them that were kind of like the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And they got to see things that the others didn't get to see. One of them was the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember when Jesus was transformed before them? They got to see that. They got to, see, they got to hear the voice of God the Father. They got to see Moses and Elijah right there. That was something that nobody else to that point during that time period got a chance to see. Later on, they got to see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane at that moment when he was away from the other ones uh, praying in an agony with the Father. They got to see that. I mean, that was a, a privilege afforded to them. They walked closely with the Lord and they got to see that. Later on, you get into the New Testament and you see the Apostle Paul, one of the, probably the greatest evangelists the church has ever known. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about being caught up to the third heaven. He got a little glimpse of God's glory and then he came back down and, he, and God said there were things that were so incredible he could the Paul said there were things he saw that were so incredible he couldn't even speak about them. And later on, um, the Apostle John, again, one of the three disciples, you read about him, and he was banished to an island, the island of Patmos. And on that island, God met him and showed him things that are going to happen in the future and uh, detailed for that in the book of Revelation. This is a very big encouragement to us because these were simple people like you and me. And they got to see things, see things that, of, of God's glory. And that's because they walked closely with him. And God delights to do that in our lives. In Jeremiah 33, he says, Call to me and I will answer you 
and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. If a human being tells you, hey, man, this is great, this is awesome, you might say, hey, you know, I've seen that before, and eh, maybe it's not great. God tells you it's great and mighty. You can take it to the bank. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And that's also what happened in the Old Testament, the great leader Moses. Moses had a prayer that I love. He said, Lord, show me your glory. Oh, my goodness. If we prayed like that, if our generation prayed like that, God, show us your glory, can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine? And God honored that prayer that Moses prayed. Lord, show me your glory. He actually, Exodus 33, he actually hides Moses in the cleft of a rock, and he puts his hands around him, and he hides him for a second because he could not even contain, Moses couldn't even, wouldn't have been able to even withstand that, and he could only see the back of God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, there was a glory associated in the Old Testament with kings. Sometimes to equate the glory of God, the only thing people had as a frame of reference was kings. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, they were ruled by kings. We don't know about that because it's been centuries since we were governed by kings. But in the Old Testament, they were governed by kings. And there was a glory associated with kings. They wore robes. They had crowns. They had this entourage. And they sat on thrones. In fact, Jesus, when he spoke about the beauty of the lilies of the field, made reference to one of the kings. He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they neither toil nor spin. But Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Unbelievable. There was a glory associated with kings. And we worship a king, don't we? The king of kings and the lord of lords. More than any earthly king. And there was a man in the Old Testament who got a sneak peek at the glory of God as a king. And it was an incredible sight. You've ever been part of a goosebump-causing experience? There was one recorded for you in Scripture, recorded for us. And the man who saw that was the prophet Isaiah. Remember prophet Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, but I want to just highlight a few things. Isaiah chapter 6, he says... In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then he goes on to describe these angelic beings known as seraphim. They're flying all around and they're crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And then Isaiah, confronted with that sight, sees himself for who he is, and he says, Woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Kind of a loose paraphrase. Loose paraphrase. I messed up. And he says, I dwell among a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the king. Wow. He saw God as a king. And the amazing thing about that is you and I can come and see that see that picture of God as a king and there's a holiness associated with that but sometimes we see that and instead of being drawn to that image we actually move away from that that's the enemy's um, desire he wants you to kind of move away from that you know uh, anytime you slip up you and I slip up we fall it's the, the agenda of the enemy is to drive you away from the, from the, from the throne from the throne of God and we're all weak. 
Who among us isn't weak? We're all weak. And we have struggles. And the great thing about this throne is the one who sits on it is different than any king you'll ever have. Because that king allowed himself to be savagely butchered for his creation. And so the people who approach that throne are approaching a throne where the person who sits on it actually knows what's going on in the heart of the person who's trying to approach it, you and me. That's the amazing thing about that majestic scene. You couldn't say that about any king that's ever lived. And that's the picture of God, what Jesus means to us, Jesus our king. And if you feel weighted by the world tonight, if you feel like you've been downtrodden, you feel like you've been beat up by the world, I just want to encourage you tonight that God the King knows what you're going through. And He cries out to you to not run away from it like the enemy would like you to do, but to run towards it. But don't take my words for it. The proof is in a passage that I just want you to look at, and we'll, we'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, Actually, let's go to verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why should the writer of Hebrews mention a throne? Because it is a throne. That throne that Isaiah saw is the throne that you and I need to run to. It's the throne that I need to run to. And how do we run to that throne? I've heard that so many times. How do we run to that throne? It's exactly what we were talking about today, t- tonight, and we're going to talk about it, I guess, later on. We get to that throne through our prayer life. That's how we get there. We intercede. We go to the throne through our prayers. And we need to come there daily. And uh, we don't need to be shy. The Bible, the, that verse says, come boldly. You know, when I was living in New York City, I was attending, a, I was going on a tour of uh, NBC Studios, and uh, walking by past the Hollywood actress uh, Jennifer Aniston. Just walk by. You know Hollywood. You know, you know Jennifer Aniston, right? Famous Hollywood actress, pretty, whatever. Um, so um, she was passing by. She was on the, in the distance, and the tour guide said, don't any of you wave at her, because if you wave at her and she waves back, this tour is over. And I thought, man, that's pretty rough. I mean, you know, I mean, Forgive me if a mere mortal like myself should wave at, oh, great Jen, you know. I mean, you know, I didn't realize she was one of the seven wonders of the world. (laughs) I mean, actually, I probably should have waved because that tour was so boring. I mean, I wouldn't mind it if it ended. But in any case, God doesn't want you to be shy. He's not looking for hand waves. He wants us to come boldly to the throne. And we have that privilege as believers. Can I encourage you tonight, as as I tell myself, to come to the throne, to come with your dreams, your aspirations, put it all on the altar. One of the greatest joys in the whole world, seriously, is to put your dreams, your aspirations, 
every worry, every doubt, everything you own, everything in your mind, just put it right in front of the Lord. And then watch what God does. Every single one of you in this room has gifts, talents, abilities. Some of you don't even know the gifts and talents you have. I just want to tell you tonight, you take God up on his word, that he, he can use you in a great and mighty way, you won't be disappointed. Believe me, you will not be disappointed. God will use you. God will use you to shape your in your sphere of influence. Um, the sky is the limit. You can only get up to here so far in all of your worldly aspirations. But you've got the King of Kings on your side. The sky's the limit. You want to rock your world for Jesus? Come to the throne. It's totally worth it. Do you receive that? I pray you do. Let's pray. Lord, tonight we want to come to the throne. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to come before you. And now, Lord, as people have throughout the generations, we come to you, even as a generation of people. We want to come emptying ourselves, pulling off the mask of our pride, ripping it off, putting aside everything that we own, every dream, every aspiration. We want to present ourselves to be the living sacrifice that we need to be. And we pray that you will reign in us. We pray that your kingdom, your glory would be seen and that, Lord, we would fade away and you would come center screen. That's what we want. We ask for your blessing upon tonight. We pray that you'll give us ears to hear, give us a receptive heart. I pray now for your servant, Josh, as he opens the word to us, that, Lord, uh, we will see new insights and we will uh, come away from this place different than we first came in. We ask it. In the name of the King, Jesus Christ, amen. Snap. It's powerful, man. Guys, thanks. Thank you so much, Steve. Seriously, man, it's a real blessing. I was kind of feel like I don't even know where to start, man. Uh, we got a chapter to look at tonight, but I was just thinking, man, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty full. Like that was good, man. That was, that was, man, that's blessing. <sighs> it's, true, it's so true, you know. You, if you lay your feet at the, if you lay your life at the feet of God, you're not going to lose. If you choose not to, you will lose. You lose all the days of your life. I was hanging out with a buddy last night, some old buddies from high school. And uh, man, it's just classic. These guys just start telling me about everything and everybody that's going on. Like all of my friends have kids now. None of them are married. Um, a lot of my friends who were good buddies back in the day, they got drunk and so they kind of got in a fight and they're not friends anymore. One guy stole another guy's girlfriend and they're ready to like throw down at every party now. It's like pathetic. You know, it's like the same thing. I just remember it. I remember being in there. I remember experiencing those things. You walk with God and you can't lose. You walk with the world and you're determined to fail. It's true. Seek after God all of your days, family. Don't let anything stop you with your walk with God. Like Steve said tonight, the throne room is open, the door is open. 
You don't have to wait for the scepter to come forth in order for you to come to the king. You can come right now, anytime you desire. And you can come boldly. He is your papa. He's your daddy. It's like the little boy who his father is king. And every time, of course, the servants come in and the soldiers, they all come and they bow the knee. But the little boy runs up and spills juice on his father, pulls his beard, just laughs and has a blast with his father. And this is the father that we have. The father tells you to ask of him. He said, even a good father, if you ask for a fish, will he give you a snake? Or you ask for some bread, will he give you stone? No. Not even a father here on this earth. But your heavenly father will give you whatever you ask. Go and sit on your father's knee and speak with him, spend time with him, draw close to him. Recognize that he is the creator and king of the universe. And have the reverence and respect for him. And then ask what you may. Talk to your father openly. Be honest with him and watch what he'll do for your life. We're going to be looking at 1 Chronicles chapter 16 tonight. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And Father, as we open your word again, oh please King, you wrote this. Father, I come to you even in your throne room now, just asking that your words would come from your throne, that your words would come from heaven, that they would pierce the hearts of your people, and that we all who sit in your courtroom would receive, would receive from you. The great King of all wisdom, please stand. Please minister to us. We just beg of you. Even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Please give us some bread. We desire to hear from you, great King. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Speak to us. We, we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 16. This is a psalm of thanksgiving from David. A psalm of thanksgiving. This is why it's going to be, it's just, it's powerful. He speaks about so many different things, but you really get to see the heart of David. This is who? The man after God's own heart. Do you remember? The man who pursued, the man who chases after God. There are very few in this world who do the same. People chase after money, success. They they chase after a lifestyle that they desire, but very few chase after God. Very few. The man who chases God, again, will never lose. He will be a winner all of his days, no matter what happens to him. And David, we see, is a winner. And you see the man's heart. Just watch. Just watch as he speaks about the king. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1 says, So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. So, real quick, they had brought the ark back in. The ark, you know, had been taken many times from Israel because of their disobedience unto God. They would lose in battle and the ark of the covenant would be captured. And if you know, if you remember, the ark of the covenant is what? What does it look like? Okay. It's a box that's about this big. 
and it is a it's it looks like a chest, okay? And there are four bars on it, and the Levites would carry it on their shoulders. And on the top of this box, it is a it is gold plated, gold sealed. The thing is solid. There are cherubims or these angel looking figures, like one on each side, on top of the 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 cover of the ark, and they call this the top of the the ark the mercy seat, okay? And there's cherubims on both sides, and the ark of the covenant is where the presence of God dwelt, the kabod, the glory. The Shekinah glory that dwelt around this thing. And only the Levites were to touch it. We even see in the Old Testament that a man touches it and he smote. We see that somebody tries to lift lift the mercy seat and look inside to see the glory of God. It kills like 40,000 men right there on the spot. It's like the presence of God is extremely powerful. And this is, we could go into why and how and how could that happen, all these kind of things, but we don't have time to tonight. But the truth is, is this glory dwelt around the ark. It was in the ark. What was inside the ark? The Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, and manna. These are the three items that were inside the ark of the covenant. And this is what David has brought back and that now is sitting in the tent or in the tabernacle. And they offered burnt sacrifices. It says peace offerings before God. Verse 2. And when David had made an end of the offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Love that. Verse 3, And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a fagon of wine. Stop there. Interesting. He gave them what? Bread and wine. Picture of communion, family. Picture of communion. I love it. As you read through the Old Testament, be looking for Jesus all the time. Moses, Jesus even tells us that Moses was the one speaking about him the whole time. You see, through the Old Testament, it is all a picture of Messiah. And I would encourage you, as you study the Old Testament, be looking for pictures of Jesus all the time, all the time. For these scriptures testify of Him and Him alone. And I love this. just a simple picture of communion. Now I could get all mystical and, and all this, yeah. And I won't. But just this, this place of bringing bread and wine to the people. I just love that. David blessed the people after they had brought unto the Lord offerings. And this is something that we need to recognize. And something that I feel like sometimes pastors lack in. That they will always be so hard and heavy on their people. Always coming down and condemning and calling out. But don't ever have a word of encouragement. They don't ever have bread or wine for the people. They don't ever have something sweet and nice to say. Remember John Corson told me, if you hear a preacher screaming, watch his sermon, but turn off the sound and just watch him. And see how he ministers to your life. It's the truth. There is a time to be angry and there's a time to be, yes, righteously angry and to come down and to call out the people. As Moses came down, do you remember? And shattered the tablets. But remember, he hit the rock when he wasn't supposed to. He He would get very angry with the people. But at the same time, he laid his life down for the people. Do you remember when he stood up on the mountain after they danced around the calf naked? He went up there and said, 
God's like, I'm going to smote him. All of them. I'm going to wipe them out. And he said, God, please, kill me before you wipe out the people. Blot my name out of your book before you do anything to these people. The heart of a shepherd. And it's true that there is a time and a season to rebuke and to exhort the people. But there is a time and a season to be encouraging and blessing and bringing them bread and bringing them wine. Blessing them. I'm not going to crack open wine for all of you, all right? Stop that. I'm not going to do that. Any kind of alcohol beverage, I won't. But hey, I'll buy you soda. But you understand what I'm saying? There's a balance. There's no prophet who came and exhorted the people that did not love them and did not desire to wrap his arms around them and love them. You see many preachers getting caught up in condemnation and very little encouragement. David blesses his people. I love that. And verse 4, And he anointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Interesting. David said this, Hey boys, you guys over there, Levites, yeah, you and you. I want you to start recording everything that God has done. And we need to give thanks and praise for these things. I want you to be recording all the things that the Lord has done. He appointed people to do that. Maybe we should appoint some people here tonight. To have someone, would there, would there be someone maybe? Every time you hear a praise report, every time we hear something good, we write it down so that we would have a journal. We would have something that we can look back on and recognize the things that God has been faithful in and done. We need to remember the things of the Lord. If there's someone here tonight that desires to do that, come up and talk to me afterwards, and we'll make it happen. Someone to record the blessings and great things that happen here on Tuesday nights, the great things and blessings that happen in your life, they're to be recorded. If you don't have a journal, get one. You need to be writing down the things that God has spoken to you, the things that God has done for you. Because you forget. And then you get bummed and you wonder why life isn't going good and this and that. And then guess what? If you would just simply go back to your journal and look at the things that God has pulled through and you would be encouraged and blessed in an instant, your heart would be changed and you would be motivated. That is why Egypt is such a big deal to Israel. That is why the parting of the Red Sea is such a monument. Why? Because it is the greatest time in history when God had delivered Israel, delivered His people. Except for the fact that Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, has delivered us. That is the greatest. And what do we do to remember? We take communion. We take communion. We take communion. And I, you know, I talk with Robert about this. I would really love and desire for us for you guys, maybe we can start doing that again, Robert. Maybe we can just have, look, listen, family, maybe we, during worship time, I would, I would like to do this, have communion set up over here. And if you want to get up during worship and you just want to go over and you just take the elements back to your seat and while worship is going on, you just remember God. Thank you. I have not forgotten you tonight. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. And you remember the King and you partake. It is important that we remember every single day. I remember when I was in Mexico... Every day we took communion. 5.30 in the morning we woke up taking communion. And the communion table was there, ready and available all day. Why? 
Because, hey, we went through hard times all throughout the day. And sometimes we needed to run to the table because we had a dispute with the brother. And when you go and sit at the table, hey, you can't hold anything against that brother. Because you're looking at the blood and you're looking at the body and it's like, oh, you're so good, king. I forgive him. You've forgiven me. I, 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 don't, I don't care anymore. You know, it's fine. I'll go and do whatever. When you go to the table, sometimes you need to go to the table during your work. Sometimes you need to go to the table when you have a dispute with a family member. When something goes down in your life, you need to run to the table and remember Christ and remember what He's done for you and celebrate the King and watch how your life will be changed in an instant. You understand? Communion is important. Remembering God, recording and writing these things are very important. Do not forget. I have my Habakkuk book here. This is my journal. And I carry it with me always. It, that's why you see me with a backpack all the time, because this is with me. And I have sweet words that the Lord has written and spoken to me. The sweetest. Let's see what's the last thing He spoke to me. Ah, uh, yes. Just the other day as I was reading through Psalms, the Lord was speaking to me about all the things that He loves. And I was reading a passage and it says, it said, the Lord loveth. I said, what does the Lord love? i got to know. And I started asking, Father, what do you love? And all of a sudden, he showed me another scripture. And so I went and I typed in the concordance, the Lord loveth, this phrase. And there are only five verses in the entire Bible that says the Lord loves. The Lord loves judgment. He loves the gates of Zion. Interesting. He loves righteousness. And He loves whom He corrects. And He loves whom He chastens. What a great king. i got to write that down. What if I would have forgot? I wouldn't have been able to share that with you. The sweetest words, I'm telling you, this right here, this is a gold mine for me right here. God has spoken to me hundreds of times, and it is all documented right here. And I'll have this forever, and I hope to pass it on to my child one day so he can look and see all the things, all the times when God spoke to his father. And he can rest on these things. I have psalms that I've written in here, things that God has spoken to me. And I would encourage you, family, to get yourself a journal ASAP, something that's quality, and keep it close to your heart. Write down those things so you can reference back. I read things in there that I completely forgotten that I even wrote. And my heart is blessed and refreshed and renewed in an instant because it's that powerful. It was the word that God spoke to me then and is just as powerful in my life today. Those special words that only are for you and no one else. They'll speak to you when you crack it back open. Let's move on. Record. David anointed Levites to record. Verse 5. Asaph the chief next to him, Zechariah, Jael, and Shemramoth, and uh, Jehiel, and all these guys. I'm not going to say them anymore. And um, Benaiah also, and uh, Jehazel, the priest with trumpets, continually before the Ark of the Covenant. They played these trumpets continually before the Lord. I love that. And I wrote wow next to it in my Bible. 
because that is that deserves a W O W. They played continually before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Those of you who play an instrument, I would encourage you to be playing continually before the Lord by yourself. By yourself. You know the problem with many worship leaders? They don't play before God by themselves. They play on stage all the time, and they play in front of the crowd, but very rarely do they play by themselves before the Lord. And I guarantee David, the psalmist, the man after God's own heart, would sit hours and strum before the Lord, sing songs. Josh, I can't play an instrument. I dare you to sing before God. I dare you to go in your room and just sing a little tune. And bless the Father with your... But I can't sing. It's all right. You make that joyful noise. You don't have to sing loud. You know, some of the sweetest times in my worship is when the the sound is really loud and the worship's going off and all of a sudden I'm just quiet before the Lord and I just kind of whisper the words to Him and just, just, just simple, quiet. I'm just speaking directly to the Lord. Some of the sweetest times in my life. I would encourage you to be continually singing before the Father, before the ark, before the presence of God. Let's move on. Verse 7, Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord in the hand of Asaph, his brethren. Interesting. Here we go. Are you ready? He delivers a thanksgiving, a psalm of thanksgiving. I'm stoked to hear this again. Verse 8, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. (laughs) Sounds like a song I know. Those of you who have scripture worship, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Call upon His name. Call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, I love that song. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Call upon His name and make known His deeds among the people. Call upon His name. Call upon His name. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Uh Uh-huh. Did you see that? You need to underline that verse. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Call out. You know, sometimes I think you just need to get out in the open. Sometimes you just need to get out. Out by yourself. Get away from the city. Get away from all the distractions and the busyness. There would be a place around the corner from my house that I used to walk. I remember Robert when we were living over there uh, off Overlook. We would kind of... um, I would walk around the corner, and there was a place you kind of go. I don't. They're working construction, but it was it was just really cool. You kind of go down this hill, and literally you go across this little river, this little creek, and there was this uh, this this rock bed. Actually, there's this big rock sitting there, and I used to go over there, and it was kind of like there's trees surrounded, and so I could just do whatever I want out there. And I would just I would shout, and sometimes you just call upon his name. You know, sometimes you just need a release. Just get out of your element, man. Just like let go for once. Stop being so conservative, you know. Just break free. It's it's almost like embarrassing. Like you you, you break free and you're like looking around, make sure nobody was looking, you know. It's like, 
Sometimes I break out and dance, man. I would I would break out doing ridiculous moves. I don't care. It's just the sweetest time, though. I'm telling you, call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Mm. We're going to talk about that. I won't talk about it now. Let's move on. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye all of His wondrous works. David is commanding. He's like, listen up, guys. Listen up, family. Sing to your God. Write out a song unto your God, a poem. I just found out one of the, one of the brothers who plays worship with me. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But this brother writes poems, all the, and he's got hundreds of them. One time I was looking through his iPod. I'm like, what's this? It's like poems. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they're poems I've written to the Lord. I'm like, dude. And of course, he's never shown it to anyone. They're just poems just for God and Him alone. And that's the way it needs to be. So many times we worship leaders and we write music just so the people can hear and so they can praise. But very few times do you see a man who writes psalms or writes songs unto God that are for Him and Him alone. And I guarantee that there were hundreds of songs and songs that David wrote unto God and that he never shared it with anybody, never penciled it down, never let anyone else know because it's just for God. And that is why he is the man after God's own heart. Guys, when you chase down a girl, you'll write a song for her that no man will ever hear because you're embarrassed. And it's true. The same is true with our King. That we would be radical for Him. That we would lay our lives down for Him and be embarrassed for Him. Be open before Him. You can be open with God, okay? You can be honest with your God. You can. You may not be able to show the real person within you here at this study tonight. That's what I noticed, man. Like when guys and girls get in relationships, it's like just them two, you know, like they just do the goofiest things. You ever, like you ever see like somebody down at the beach and it's just like you see him like I'm just watching from a distance and they're like goofing off and the guy's like doing like weird stuff that like he would never do in front of his friends. And I'm ready to like roll up on him and like laugh at him like I saw that. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But you know, can we not be like this? Can we not live for God in this way? Be different, be changed as you sit before him. Be undignified. Be different. It's okay. David commands us to talk of all his wondrous works. To talk about all of his wondrous works. You know, I don't think we do enough hearing about what God has done in everybody's life. Talking about His wondrous works. You know what? I bet you, when Israel was delivered from Egypt, oh, remember? Everyone heard. I mean, kings from all around the world were hearing about this. They knew it was going on. And you know, we need to declare and let people know when God has done something in your life. It is important. Your coworkers, it's okay. Why are you so happy today? 
What's that silly grin doing on your face? Well. What, did you get a girlfriend or something? No. God bless me. I don't want to hear about... No, you gotta hear. You got to hear this. This is crazy. you got to listen. God did this for me. God pulled through in this situation. Declare His wondrous works. Let people know how great God is. I think we talk too much. Sometimes I just feel like I preach too much. And I try to let it come out, but I want to hear from you guys more. I want to hear what God's doing. I want to celebrate with you. I want to hear those crazy stories go down. Where we all like just break out and like just clapping and celebration. It's like, yes. Our God is great. And He is moving. And He is powerful. We need to declare His works unto the people. You know what the world thinks God is? He's some big meanie in the sky. He wants to ruin everybody's fun. What God do you know? I know God who is great. Wants to show you mighty things which you do not know. We need to declare this. We need to start declaring. Man, I... I think of, I'm thinking about college for some reason right now. When I was in college, Kelsey at San Bernardino, for a year. They're like, what, Josh? You went to school? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was crazy. But I remember, I was telling Fredo the other day, I was taking this oral communications class. And I got to declare the wondrous works of God before the professor. I got to give three speeches that year. And that's your grade. Number one, a demonstration speech. And I did what? I taught the people to break dance. I taught them the sixth step. You're saying you're kidding. No, I'm not. No, no. We moved all the desks back and we turned on the music and I like taught the sixth step. It was, anyways. The next one, next speech was an informative speech. See, I got an A on demonstration. Like the teacher was stoked on that. But then, informative speech. So I gave information on Christianity. Uh-oh. Lots of info. Educated the people there in that classroom. And um, the final one was, I, I think I got a B or something like that. The final one was a persuasive speech. Whew. I got on my face and I prayed and I like called out to God to just bring fire in that room. And I got out there. I was nervous. I was shaking. It was just a room of seriously like 40 people. Small. And this teacher was an atheist. And I got up, and I was just shaking in my boots. I had six minutes. And I was just like, I'm going to bring the cross. I'm going to preach the cross. I'm going to preach the gospel. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to persuade these people to Jesus. And so I brought it full, I mean full blast. I didn't hold nothing back. And what happened in about four and a half minutes it was getting so thick and intense. You know, sometimes when I'm preaching and all of a sudden it's like really quiet. You drop a pen in here. It's like everybody's like, just stop. You know, like it was like so intense in that room. And the teacher's atheist, you know, so I just knew like she was just like, you know, just like couldn't. Because I'm like feeding these kids, like persuading them to Christ, you know, like come with me, you know, like. And she's just like, and in about four and a half minutes she says, Mr. Thompson, you need to stop. 
I said, no, I, I have six minutes, and I just continued on. And uh, I don't know if I was that bold, but I said, I, I still have six you know, minutes. And, um, and I continued on. And then at about five, another like 30, 40 seconds went on. She says, if you don't stop, your grade will be dropped. I said, no. And I continued on. I preached the gospel. And it was very thick in that room. The teacher got up and left the room after I was finished. And um, I remember the kids around me. Many of them, they, they, you know, Josh, don't worry about it. You know, it was really good. Like, we really appreciate that. And we thank you for just making a stand for God. Something like that, they said. And I was blessed, you know, and I was so scared. I did. I, my, my grade was actually dropped. I got a bad grade. And um, it's all right, you know. I, it was a great blessing that I got to declare the works of God to the classroom. And if you have opportunity to declare the works of your king, and I guarantee that at the end of that, that, end of that speech, not one of them could shake their fist at God and say, why God this and why God that? No, God is reaching down to every single man. If you choose not to, you choose to reject Him. It is your bad, my friend. You send yourself to hell. God has laid His life down for the people. He is not a big meanie in the sky or a tyrant. He is a God who does great and wonderful works, and who has laid His life down for His people. We are to declare those works unto these people. Declare the great things that God has done in your life. Don't be scared. Last night when I was sitting down with my old buddies, the question came, so what are you doing now? I mean, yeah, I was scared. I was sitting there like, oh, great. You know, do I start preaching a sermon or what? I just said boldly. I said, you know, I just started working for the church again. And one of my buddies' moms was actually there at the table. She's kind of a really wild and crazy woman. <laughs> And she was sitting there, and, and, and when I said, she's like, oh, oh you work for the church, aren't you? Yeah. And um, my buddies, my friends don't expect that, even though I tried to walk as a Christian way back when. I, they, they just don't expect, like, they just still, they look at me, and I just the way I, I don't know, the way I act, the way I look, just how I do. It's just I'm not the cookie cutter, you know, like, church guy, I guess, you know. And so I just, it's like, yeah, I work in the church. What would you do? Well, I used to help out just helping high school kids get their lives right with God. And I could see in that woman, because she used to see me come over to her house as a child. Me and my brothers used to go over to this boy's house, Danny Macias. And we would play there and all this. And she knew my mother had died. And um, she hadn't seen me since I was a boy. And then she sees me and she's like, Josh, it's crazy. And of course, their family and everything is just based around this party, 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 party. Crazy. And it was like I got to declare the works of God just there simply at the table. It was a simple task. But I'm telling you, when you make a stand and you declare, something happens. And I hope that we would be different here in this coffee shop tonight, that we would be different, that we would go out into our workplace, to our friends, to everyone we know. Not to be a crazy, not to be a psycho where people look at you like, dude, you're just out there, all right? Because they weren't looking at me at the table saying, you're out there and didn't want to listen. No. They, they were willing. They were open to listen. There's tact involved, okay? I mean, I think of some of these guys who stand in the corners with a Bible. 
and some and, and they just kind of just mumble like Jesus does this and it's like is anybody listening, brother? Man, use some tact. Like, come on, like like that's not gonna ever work. Declare the works of God unto the people. Let's let Riverside understand that God is the one who does mighty works and one that is loving and compassionate, just and righteous and always does right and that He is truly good. Truly good. Could you imagine if people in America really thought that God was truly good? Like good to the bone. Like really, genuinely, that He is good. He is good. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? Done all the things that He said He would. Hasn't the Lord been good? Let's move on. Hmm. Verse 10. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Did you hear that? Let your heart rejoice. Glory in His name. Verse 11, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Look at how just... I just feel like this psalm is I mean, so meaty. Seek His face continually. Like I'm a fool already. Like Let me just dwell on that. Seek His face continually. Seeking the face of God. There's a song that goes, Draw me near to You, my God. I long to be right by Your side. Draw me near to you, my God. I long to be right by your side. That is the prayer of only a man who truly seeks the face of God continually. Who says, draw me near. I just want to be by your side. I just want to be close to you. Seek the face of God continually. Verse 12, remember His marvelous works that He has done. His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. Did you hear that? See, the problem with the word judgments, is we have made that to seem like that's like a negative word. When you hear the word judgment, you always think negatively. But if you had a person here who is a judge, and when they judge, they just judge correctly every single time. Remember when Solomon was brought the baby? Remember the two babies? The one was killed? I can't remember what happened. Two moms are fighting over it. Yeah, I don't remember what happened to the other baby, though. They got switched. Squished? That's right, that's right, that's right. That's right. One baby died, and the other mother went and took the other mother's baby. Yeah. And I just remember Solomon standing there, and, and the women are like, well, what are we to do? The perfect, the super master judge, the man who has more wisdom than any human to ever walk the earth except for Jesus Christ. He looks at them and says, take the baby, bring a sword. I will cut the baby in half and give each one of you half. And the mother, the true mother cries out, no, don't do it. And then Solomon says, this is the true mother, give the baby to her. And you would say to that, that is beautiful judgment, wouldn't you? Amazing judgment. And we think about judgment always as a negative thing, but our righteous king is the one who gave Solomon that judgment, gave him that wisdom, and he is the one who judges correctly 
Always, at all times, He judges rightly. And so when you say in your life, why is this happening? He is judging correctly in your life. And He is putting you there for a certain reason. And He's doing exactly what is right. Every single judgment is perfect and precise. You must understand that, that His judgments are great and we are to declare them before people. Not God is going to judge you, but His judgment is perfect. We declare these things unto the people. They are to come out of our mouth. Verse 13, O ye seed of Israel, His servant, ye children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of His covenant, the word which He commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which He made with Abraham and the oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee, Will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance when you were but few, even a few, and strangers in it, and when they went from nation to nation and from kingdom to kingdom, or from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved the kings for their sake, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do not, and do my prophets no harm. Stop there. God says, I've made a covenant with you, Israel, and I will protect you all of your days. I will protect you. I will keep my hand upon you. And the covenant is still kept to this day. Do you know, I was reading, I was listening to a message the other day, listen to Course and Teach, and he was in Jeremiah chapter 29. I don't know if you've ever read the context of that entire chapter. It's powerful. God sends His people into Babylon to be slaves. It says, I put you there. God says that specifically. I put you there. What? Yeah, he put them into slavery for 70 years. Interesting. Could God do that to my life? Yes. He could put you in jail for 20 years like Joseph or like Paul. Have you shipwrecked three times? Yes, these things could happen to you. Either God is allowing it to happen to you like Job or he ordained it to happen to you. He said, this is going to happen. My hand is upon this. Like in Babylon. Or like Job, it was allowed. Lucifer was allowed to come in and to rip off. Now, what are you getting at? Why would God do such a thing? Why would He ordain something like 70 years of slavery in Babylon? Did you know that Israel never turned to idolatry after Babylon? Never again. Did you know that Babylon was the center of idol worship more than any other nation ever? He turned them over to idolatry because they would not stop worshiping the idols. All the way back from the the golden calf. You see, God knows what He's doing. His judgment is perfect. But He still nonetheless protected Israel and kept His hand upon them. And He says it there. Did you see that? He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, He reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. God protects His anointed. He has His hand on His people. He knows what He's doing. And He has His hand on you, family. You don't have to worry about anything. God has His hand on your life. Why is this happening? I can't believe this crazy tragedy went down. God has His hand on your life. 
Don't worry. He's got it under control. He's not freaking out in heaven. He's not looking, dancing around trying to figure out what to do. Absolutely not. He's kicked up on a lazy boy recliner eating potato chips, okay? He ain't worried. Ain't. He's not worried. He's not worried. And neither should you be. You should not be worried. God is protecting. I've talked about it before, but the 50-year war. Look at Israel throughout history. This small nation, about the size of San Bernardino County, and they still aren't wiped off the face of the earth. How many nations have risen against Israel to destroy them? Why can't you kill these people? Because God has His hand upon them. No man will destroy them. Let's move on. Verse 23. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. Did you see that? Show forth from day to day His salvation. You see, there's just so much in this chapter. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Show from day to day His salvation in your life. Are you saved? Man, because some people would never know it. You're grumpy. You're all bummed all the time. Are you going to heaven? Yeah. So it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, well, this is happening. Come on, dude. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Proclaim salvation from day to day. You're going to heaven. Be reminded of heaven daily within your life. If your eyes are focused on heaven, your life will be joyful. I guarantee it. You start looking at the world, start looking at your own life, you're going to be depressed. Want to know how to get depressed, bummed out? Think about yourself. Think about your problems. Think about your life and your situation and everything that's going on in you. Joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Joy. Jesus, others, then yourself. Heaven. Be reminded of your salvation from day to day. Verse 24. Declare His glory among the heathen. Did you hear that? Declare it. Declare His glory amongst the heathen. His marvelous works among the nation. Did you hear that? Declare it. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. (laughs) I wrote aha next to that phrase. He says this. The gods the people worship are idols. Look at them. They're pieces of wood. Look, they're a sticker on the back of their truck that says skin. But the Lord God made the heavens. It's just a, a little sticker. Ooh. It's just a little dumb statue. Let me rub his belly and get good luck. <laughs> but our God has made the heavens. Made the heavens with his hand. It's like, there it is. Buddha, where are you at? (laughs) Confucius, you ain't got nothing. Muhammad, absolutely not. The idols, Oprah Winfrey. Guys, trucks. Success. 
There are many things that can become idols in our lives. Don't seek those things. Seek God, for He has made the heavens. And in Him and Him alone you will find peace. Let's move on. Glory and honor are His are in His presence. Oh my. Look at that. Glory and honor are in where? His presence. You want to find glory and honor in your life? Then get into the presence of God. How do I get there, Josh? Get on your face in your room and ask for the presence of God to come. Sing a song unto Him. Open the Word. Let the presence of God fill your life and watch peace come like never before. I wrote a complete journal entry on that. I wish I could read it to you. Verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 27. We're still there. Glory and honor are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in His place. You need strength? You need gladness? It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. I cannot stress to you enough to hang out with God by yourself. I'm telling you, we talk about it all the time. I tell you all the time. I was talking with a pastor just last week, and I could feel that the conversation was getting really convicting and really heavy because I was sharing with him that I used to do a bunch of things for God, but I never talked to him. I never spent time with God by myself. And all of a sudden, he had to start sharing with me all the times he'd spent with God by himself. He's a pastor. He's like 45 years old. And he said, one time I was talking to God, and my granddaughter came in and interrupted me. He's like, that's awesome. That's what we need. And I could tell that he was being reminded of the times that he had spent with God by himself. Those sweet times that no one can ever steal from him. We've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to that family. Anyone in here who tells me I go and spend time with God by myself and I talk to him, I open my mouth and I truly seek his heart, they tell me I'm not filled, you are a liar. Because if you seek the face of God and you spend time with him by yourself, you're not doing it to get brownie points. You're not doing it so you can tell people you spent time with God. You're not doing it to fulfill fulfill some self-righteousness. Like I spent an hour with God. I watched the clock. But you're doing it solely. You're not watching the clock. You've taken a walk with the Lord. And you're just saying, Lord, I'm going to hang out with you and spend time with you. You will be free. I guarantee it. There's nothing greater on this earth. Every man of God I talk to, they say the greatest times. It is not after teaching to a thousand people. It is not after leading worship. It is not after doing any of these things. It is after spending time with God by myself that I experience the greatest moments of joy in my life. That is where it's found. And I'll testify it till the day I die. Because that is my joy. This is not my joy, family, as much as I'd like to say it is. This is a part of the joy I experience in my walk with God. But my time with Jesus by myself, when I am with my King, that is the greatest times of my life. And that is the sweetest time. And I would sacrifice that for no one. And that is one thing I will run to all the days of my life. For that is where what is found. Verse 27. Glory and honor, strength and gladness. Verse 28. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. This psalm is so sick. It's so amazing. There's so much meat again. He says, give unto the Lord. You see, at the end of your life, 
If you find that you've given to yourself all of your days, and you've given to no one but yourself, you'll be miserable. You see many old men and many old women who sit there in their stubbornness, who are ticked off at life because they have done nothing for anyone but themselves. They don't care about God and they don't care about people. But that sweet little old lady who comes and brings cookies across the street, for many times she is one who seeks the face of God and is willing to pray for you. Just amazing. Who gives of herself continually. I speak of this old woman, again, who goes to the prisons all the time and ministers to these murderers. She's like in her 70s. And she tries to take the homeless man home and her husband has to tell her not to. She wants to cook him dinner. That is where joy and gladness is found in giving unto the Lord. Jesus first. Others, then yourself. Let's move on. Give unto the Lord. Verse 29 again. Give unto the Lord glory due to His name. Bring an offering. Come before Him. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm like brimming. Like I, I just... I feel like I can't swallow anymore. This thing is so rich. It's like after you've eaten like a piece of chocolate cake and ice cream and then three cookies and you see that chocolate cake and you're like, man, it tastes so good. I just want more. But you can't take it in. You know, you're just like, it's up to here. That's what I feel like right now. It's like, Lord, I just, I need to just think about these things you've already given. This is so much. Give glory. He's commanding us. Give glory to the Lord that's due to His name. Do. Come before Him, worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. Fear before Him, all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it might not be moved. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nation, the Lord reigns. I need to write a song. The Lord reigns. And the people, we need to shout that at the top of our lungs, the Lord reigns. Verse 32, let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord because He comes to judge the earth. Wow. The trees singing. I remember when I was in Mexico, many times I would walk past the cow or the horse and say, did the Lord just walk by here? They just look at me. And I would just sometimes just start talking about, it's just like, I know, I know you know the king. I know you know him. You see him come by here many times. Do you bow the knee? You better. Creation. I really believe that creation screams at the voice of God. All of creation praises his name. Do you know there's a time coming when Jesus will reign on this earth for 1,000 years with you and me? In Jerusalem is where He will reign. There's a time coming when Jesus Christ, our King, will sit there in the temple and that all of creation will praise His name. And it will be for 1,000 years that we will dwell here on this earth. Maybe we'll come back over here to Sips, okay, during the 1,000 years here. All right? We'll meet over here. We'll talk about the Lord over there in Jerusalem. Then we'll go see Him and bow down before Him and praise Him and lift Him up. And shout to him, you're the great king. Hey, Jesus. And he said, hey, Josh, good to see you. I'm like, hey, Lord. 
continue on my way. It's going to be sweet. Let's move on. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Verse 34. For He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. I'm just going to read, okay? I just can't expound anymore. I just gotta, I'm just going to read this. You take it in. This is just amazing. And say, ye, save us, O God, our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to Thy holy name and glory in Thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. So he left, therefore, he left before the, the ark of the covenant, the Lord of Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the ark continually as every day's work was required. And a bunch of names. And the Zadok, the priest, brethren, the priest, and before the tabernacle of the Lord and the high place, that was at Gibeon to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord upon the altar of the burnt offering continually, morning and evening. Interesting. And to do according to all that is written in the law of the Lord, which He commanded Israel. And with them, He-Man. That's what it says. You wonder where they got that character from, don't you? He-Man. And... Jaduthun and the rest that were chosen were who were expressed by name to give thanks to the Lord because His mercy endures forever. And with Heman and Jaduthun, with trumpets and cymbals for those that should make a sound, and with musical instruments of God, and the sons of Jaduthun were porters, and all the people departed, every man to his house, and David returned to bless his house. Mmm. Ah, tastes good. Oh, Father. You know, it says every man returned to his house, and David returned to his house, and what? Blessed his house. And now that we have what? Partaken of this psalm and this thanksgiving with David, we are to go into our homes and we are to bless our house. We are to love on our family. We are to love on our friends. We are to love on the people who are around us. Bless them, family. Bless them as David blessed them. Bless them as God has blessed us. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father... Man, that Psalm King is just so much. And I'm just I'm thankful for your word. And I'm thankful that you're good. Thanks for looking out for me. Thanks for being on my side. Thanks for always doing for doing what's best for me. As much as I don't want it sometimes, and as much as you try to keep me from sin, thank you for disciplining. Thank You for chastising. Thank You for keeping me handcuffed close to You. I need You, Lord. I need You, Father. Bless Your people tonight. Oh, please let them 
taste of your presence in your word. Let them walk away just with something like never before as they seek your face tonight and in the morning minister to your people. Thank you. Thank you for giving us food. Thank you for giving us these lives. We're blessed to have you. We will serve you all of our days. We lay our lives before you tonight. If there's anything you desire, let us know, King. We're here. We love you. We pray these things. It's only because we can pray these things. It's because of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Love you guys.